One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Sarah Ellis. And I'm Helen Tupper. And this is a Squiggly Careers podcast, where every week we talk about a different topic to do with work and share ideas that we hope make navigating our squiggly careers that little bit easier. And today's episode is sponsored by Pinterest, which we're really excited about because we've delivered some career sessions for the Pinterest teams all across the world. And we both absolutely love using Pinterest ourselves <laughs> in, and I think probably just as much, out of work. So it's nice to be able to talk about a brand that we both love and use all the time. But I think we actually use it quite differently. Helen, how do you use Pinterest? Oh, so work-related, because obviously this is a careers podcast, so I'm totally happy to talk about all the Pinterest boards I have yeah, to do I stuff know. outside of work, which are mainly like fashion and jewellery-related. But work-wise, quotes. And that's probably quite a surprising way that I use Pinterest. It's really, really good to go there for like inspirational quotes. Whenever I'm looking for quotes of podcasts, there, there just seem to be a lot on there. I find myself browsing through them quite a lot. And then you can save them to different boards. So I find that quite useful. And I think the thing that I like is you start looking for a quote and then you find inspirational book reviews. And then you go down and just find loads of different things that you weren't expecting. That's probably the reason I really enjoy it. What about you? Are you searching for quotes or something else? Not really quotes, actually. I don't <laughs> think I think, but then I'd probably just search for quotes anywhere. I really like it for design, actually in and out of kind of work. So when we're thinking about book covers, that's the first place I go to for like design inspiration. I actually really like looking at typography, both for work and just generally. I find it quite interesting. And book stuff, you know, in terms of other people sharing, a bit like you in terms of like book recommendations. Often they'll link through to some really good articles that you can read about my top five books on certain topics. Mm. So, but I would say for me, it's mainly design and yeah, less fashion and jewelry outside of work and more interiors. And I guess food. I probably used to use it for food a bit more than I do now when I used to work places like Sainsbury's. But um, yeah, food and house, basically. Actually, you could probably see how my life has evolved yeah, with all the different boards that I have. Yeah, through the different Pinterest <laughs> boards that I have from like five years ago when I had slightly more time and I was doing like interiors and home design and now, like, now less so. But I do think that with Pinterest, the more time that you spend on Pinterest, I think it kind of like seems to learn about you and the more you find that kind of ignites your curiosity. So if you haven't been for a while, we totally recommend spending a bit more time there because you might just surprise yourself as well with what you find. So for inspiration and endless things to discover, visit Pinterest today. So this week we're talking about how to ask better questions at work and asking really brilliant questions is so useful as part of your job for a few reasons. The first is that when we ask really good questions, we uncover new insights and it helps us to build relationships. So there's a lot of evidence that when we ask lots of questions, it helps to demonstrate to other people that we're prepared 
to be vulnerable and to not know that we're really interested, that we're curious. And that increases the trust that people have in us. So it's a sort of way of building trust, which can feel quite an abstract thing to do. But this is a very practical action that you can take to build relationships. And the second thing where I think questions are really useful is it's sort of a free and easy way to just make sure you're always learning. And again, you know, when people sort of talk about, oh, you know, we need to get better at learning on the job, making learning part of our day to day. You know, we talk about that all of the time. And that can feel quite hard Mm. because, you know, we're all busy with all of our tasks and our to-do lists. And actually by asking more questions, that will increase your learning. It will help you to grow, help you to develop in different directions. And people, the people that we work with in and out of our organisations are just a great source of learning. And asking questions is one of the ways that we kind of glean those insights and get that new knowledge from people. And then the last thing where questions is really helpful, and again, this is a really big one, I feel like all of these three things are really big benefits, is that it improves our emotional intelligence. This is actually sort of a virtuous cycle of when we ask better questions, we become more emotionally intelligent. So have more empathy, build better connections, as we've kind of talked about. And therefore, having more emotional intelligence also means that we get better at questioning. So it's one of those things that I think has lots of benefits that all add on top of each other. It's sort of like asking better questions makes us better people mm. <laughs> like, in, like, all, in all ways. I think when I was thinking about this topic as well, one of the things that it made me think is that there are varying different skill levels that we all start with, with our mm. ability to ask questions. There are some people who are naturally good at it. I actually think my husband's very good at asking questions. Sometimes we'll be having a conversation and he'll really make me stop and think. He just, he has this really natural ability to ask sometimes quite hard and difficult questions, <laughs> but he asks them really clearly and concisely. Whereas when I sometimes ask questions, I'm thinking and asking at the same time and I sort of muddle a lot of questions all together and I lose some of that clarity. So depending on where your questioning starting point is, it really isn't a problem because it is a skill and we can all learn to do it and we can all learn to do it in a way that works for us, whether you are the natural interrogator or you have a slightly different style that you wish to aspire to. Are you now implying that your husband is a natural interrogator because that's exactly what it sounds like? (laughs) Yes, I call it machine gun questioning. That's what I tell him when he right. does it to me. <laughs> and we're saying that's a positive thing, are we? Well, no, but what I do think it is a talent. He, I, did th- I think he's in the wrong profession. He would be like, I always said that to him, like, he would be a brilliant lawyer because he's very like calm and he bombards you with questions. I mean, I do not like being on the receiving end of it, but I do recognise the talent that is there. <laughs> it's just not one I would tend to inspire to. I would ask questions in my own way. And that's what we want to help you to do. And if you ever struggle to ask questions, it is useful to reflect on why or maybe what stops you. Sometimes it can be a thought that you should already know the answer to this question. So you might be afraid to ask it in the first place. Sometimes you might have a fear of being a bit difficult. That gets in my way or Maybe you think it might be a bit awkward or you might slow down the progress someone else is trying to make and you don't want to do that and that might stop you. Sometimes you think, well, I'm just going to wait because someone else is going to ask this question at some point, aren't they? And maybe they're a better place to ask it than I am. All of those reasons stop those benefits that Sarah talked about. They stop the learning. They stop the ability to build better relationships. And we call these 
blockers to your questions, thinking traps. And when you can recognize the thinking traps that are holding you back from asking questions that could help you to develop, that's actually a really good insight because you can see and know that about yourself. But what you really want to do is to reframe them into something that we call positive prompts. And these positive prompts are the things that help us to put our minds in a more open place to take action. Thinking traps hold you back. Positive prompts help you to move forward. So, for example, let's say you've got a thinking trap about I won't ask a question because I think I should already know the answer. An example of a positive prompt there could be reframing it to asking a question shows I'm interested in learning from somebody else. And that's far more likely to put you into the mindset where you can actually ask the questions. Or another example of a thinking trap might be, I won't ask a question because I don't want to be perceived as awkward or difficult. And you could reframe that to a positive prompt like asking questions equals better outcomes. So now we're going to move on to some ideas for action to help you to ask better questions at work. And we've got four ideas for action, but we'll warn you now, the second one has got five sub points. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't quite work out whether we've got nine or four, but we've got kind of four big ones. But the second one, we're actually going to talk about lots of different styles and types of questions. And we're actually going to go through all of those and give you lots of examples. So certainly one where a pen and paper might be quite handy in, in a couple of minutes time. Well, it'll also be in the pod sheet as well. So all these different types of questions we'll have. We've got a pod sheet on amazingif.com, which will summarise them for you. So idea for action one is about increasing the quantity and quality of your questions. So I think the first thing that you can do, which is just about increasing your awareness, is figure out like what's your question tally? What's your (laughs) typical question tally at the moment in a conversation? And there's no right or wrong that we're aiming for here. But if you're thinking, well, you know, if Helen and I were reflecting on the one-to-one conversations that we have and Helen was thinking, well, I asked 10 questions and Sarah asks one question. Well, that's quite interesting. You know, that probably gives us some insight in terms of the sorts of conversations we're having. Or perhaps you can start to think about different situations. And so do you feel comfortable and confident asking questions? Maybe when you're with people you're used to working with and you feel quite, you know, familiar working with. But does those questions drop down a little bit if you're maybe with someone who's more senior than you or perhaps you've not worked with before? So first of all, figure out how many questions are you asking and then think about what are the quality of those questions? And typically, better quality questions are open. And I'm sure lots of our listeners, you know, you'll you'll already know about open questions, but they are essentially any question that can't be answered with a very black or white yes or no. And we also ask closed questions. I've spent lots of time, you know, learning about open questions and practicing them as part of developing as a career coach. But I still sometimes ask a closed question. And my top tip on this, which I find is just a brilliant, it's almost like a question hack, is that if you ask a closed question, you just notice it because you get such a short answer. So if I said to, you know, Helen, have you had a good week? you probably get a yeah or no or yeah, it's been fine. You get quite a short answer. Whereas if you notice that, you can just follow up that closed question with an open one. You can almost ask the exact same question, but just start it differently. So I could then say to Helen, oh, tell me a bit about your week. And if I just said that, she's got to tell me something. She's got to give me a few examples. She's got to describe it. And I will just get that little bit more 
insight and information from her. So if you ever do find yourself asking closed questions, sometimes a closed question is fine. Closed questions are not bad. Sometimes we do need a yes or no answer. We're looking for that level of somebody being definitive in their response to us. But if you're not, if you're trying to learn more, if you need to know more, if you've got gaps in your knowledge and you spot yourself in that closed question, just follow up with an open one. Even if you don't get to it as the next question, go back to it. People won't notice that you're asking the same question because it will feel different to answer because it's much more open. So our second idea for action is all about trying out different styles of question. And as Sarah said, we've got a few different styles to inspire you. And as I talk these through, I'm going to give you the style and how it can help you and give you an example for each of them. But it might be useful to reflect on which of the five that I talk through you already do well. There might be some that you do often and that you think you're good at. Also reflect on what types of questions do you hear in your organisation? I think that gives you a bit of insight into your question culture in the business. It might give you some ideas for how you could do things a bit differently or what might feel quite hard because you're going to do it differently. And then think about which one would you like to try out? So style number one is mirroring. This is a really useful question style to help you build relationships. Often we talk about mirroring in the context of body language. So if Sarah crosses her arms, I'll cross my arms. And it's quite a good way of building rapport with somebody. Really similar outcome when you ask the same type of question. So for example, if Sarah asked me, Helen, what are you working on at the moment? I would reply to that, but then I would sort of mirror that question back to her. And it doesn't mean that I have to ask exactly the same question. I might say, what are some of the things that are taking your time up this week? Or what are your priorities at the moment? But it's a really similar question played back to Sarah, and it's a really good way to build relationships. Style number two is adjoining questions. These are really good questions to help you explore connections. So let's say you're talking about a project at the moment. An adjoining question could be, who else is impacted by this decision? Or who else do we need to bring into this discussion? I think of these as like horizontal questions. Mm. You're kind of thinking more broadly about who could be brought into things. I think of them as connecting the dot questions. Yeah. I think I think you're connecting dots when you do this. Style number three is elevating. These are the type of questions that help you to take a step back. So let's say you've got a group of people who are just going round and round in circles on something. An elevating question would sound something like, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? And it creates a bit of distance from the discussion that you might have got really deep into so that you can maybe get to different outcomes and you can all regroup. Question style number four is about deep diving. These are questions that can help you understand the detail. They sound like, what examples can you share so that I can understand more? Or I'm interested in understanding a bit more. How did you get to that answer? These questions just help you to get to a deeper level of insight that can take a discussion to a different direction sometimes. And the fifth style is the curious style of questions. These are brilliant if you need to overcome constraints or you've got challenges where people might be getting a bit stuck. They sound like, how could we do this differently? Or how might we approach this from a different perspective? They're just about shifting people's thinking and they're really good ones to get people to open up their thoughts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So our third idea for action is thinking more about how many questions you ask at the same time. So you will get a different response if you ask one question at once versus essentially stacking lots of questions all at the same time. So this might be the difference between Helen and I have a conversation and saying to Helen, oh, Helen, talk to me a bit about what your priorities are next week and what are the challenges that are concerning you And is there anything you need to change or that you think I need to kind of bear in mind at the moment? And I can really imagine saying all of that (laughs) sentence. Basically, what you're doing is I think you're downloading everything that you want answers to all at once. And I think when you do that, the challenge is that the person listening to you, A, has got to be listening incredibly well to be able to remember all of those questions. I can't remember all of those questions I just said. And so you're probably going to miss one of those questions if you ask lots at once. And also the person responding is probably most likely to answer the last question they heard. And so therefore you might miss quite a lot of insight or knowledge from those other questions that could have been really, really good questions, but they get missed because you've put too many together. And if you actually start listening to people interview people, go and listen to some of our podcasts (laughs) where we've interviewed people We often ask too many questions at the same time when we're not sure what we're trying to ask. Mm, That's it, definitely. If you get a bit nervous, I sometimes Mm. find, because I just keep talking because I'm nervous. And just having the confidence to ask one question and to stop talking and to listen to then the answer. You can still get to those other questions that you've got in mind, but actually what someone might say to that first question might change your perspective might change the order that you want to ask some of those other questions. Or they might answer some of the other questions that you've got and you might not need to ask those questions. And I suppose the other thing that really helps you to do this well, if you are preparing for a meeting or something where you know you're going to need to ask a few questions or you've got those in mind, perhaps a one-to-one conversation with your manager, perhaps a career conversation, I would also encourage you to prioritise your questions because I've done this before where I've probably got three or four questions that perhaps I wanted to talk through with my manager and I left always the scariest one until (laughs) last or the one that was really most important to me but felt the hardest to say out loud, I'd leave till the end. And so inevitably what happens then is probably one of two things. You either don't ask it because you run out of time and you spent too much time on the other things 
or by the time you do, it's actually quite frustrating for everyone because you've got four minutes left and everybody recognises that's a really important question to you. And then it feels like you're either rushing it or you've got to come back to it. One of the things actually I really practised in the past probably four or five years in particular was thinking, what is the single most important question I need to ask in this conversation? And make sure you ask that question first, if you can, you know, if it feels natural and it works. But I think just having that in mind really helps you to focus your questioning. It makes me think that sometimes, I don't know whether we're in a fortunate or an unfortunate position, but we get to listen back to ourselves asking people questions because sometimes I will listen to our podcast and I will hear myself asking questions and I'll be like, oh, that was a good question. Or I'll think, hmm, Helen, that was that was a really badly worded question. But you asked, you did a lot of like questions all at once. I think there is some really useful insight you can get from listening to yourself asking questions. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that you might be able to do is record yourself. Like if you're working remotely at the moment, you're doing a meeting, it might be a bit obvious if you suddenly click the record button. (laughs) But what you could do is put record on your phone. And so that could be something that you could listen back to afterwards and almost just evaluate what was the quality of your questioning? Was it clear? Was it multiple questions at once? Or was it one at once? Or if that feels a bit strange, you could maybe ask someone to give you feedback on your questioning. How did I come across when I was asking questions in those meetings? How clear were my questions? And just gather a bit of feedback so that you can understand what your starting point is here in terms of whether you're asking one clear question at once or whether you are falling into that trap of asking multiple questions for whatever reason that might be. So our last idea for action is to watch, listen and learn from other people. And you, when I say watch, you know, something like question time, I always think is a really, (laughs) really great way to watch people asking different questions. And sometimes you, some of those styles might resonate with you. Sometimes they antagonize you, I find. I'm like, oh, don't ask that question in that way. But it's a really good learning environment. I actually think podcasts, particularly where people are interviewing people, is a really good format to learn questioning styles from. Personally, I really like Elizabeth Day's questioning style. I think she has a really nice pace that's what I like about her questions she asks with empathy and she has a really nice pace she does the one question at once and they're quite she asks really hard questions often quite emotional questions to people but because she does it in the tone that she uses and the pace it's quite a nice slow pace yeah she's quite considered isn't she yeah considered and consistent actually and I think that that really starts to unlock trust in a conversation so then people actually start to reveal more but you only get to these insights about oh maybe it's consistency and maybe it's pace and maybe it's tone you only get to those insights when you start listening to other people's styles and hearing what works so I definitely think about two or three people maybe quite different styles of questioning that you think I'm going to listen to them or I'm going to watch them and I'm going to think about what they do and why it works for them and then I guess the question is and what do I want to take on board from their their approach that might work for me and another point we wanted to make just to finish the conversation which is less an idea for action but just something to reflect on is when is the right moment to ask a question so sometimes you know we ask lots of questions in the here and now, you know, we don't know a question is coming and we are put on the spot. And that's fine. That can work really well. And when you're trying to react and move at pace and move quickly. And some people also really enjoy the spontaneity of conversations with lots of questions. 
And then I think there are some questions where if you want to get the best possible quality response, you need to give people time to think. And I think the reason Helen and I were both talking about this is because we recognise that I am definitely a time to think person. So Helen has kind of figured out that if she wants really good thinking from me, the best thing she can do is give me a question and then almost leave me with that question because I never let it go. And then by the time I come back to Helen with a, I've really thought about this, this is my perspective or here are my thoughts, just the quality of my response will be so much higher versus if Helen just said to me, oh, can we just spend five minutes thinking of talking about this thing? And I'll think, oh, but if you gave me till the end of the day to think about it, that five minutes would be time much better spent. But then I would say, Helen, like you're pretty good on the spot. You always seem quite comfortable, kind of you're slightly more like happy to kind of riff and just say what's yeah, kind of on your mind, I, think I would it's say. About, I think it's a mixture of a personal approach you like thinking, I like doing. So I think that's probably why I really don't want to take a question away. I'm like, get it done, yes. answer it now. I think you'd be <laughs> like, like, well, why are we not don't... sorting this? Let's sort it out right now. So I think it's a personal thing. But I also think it's a type of questions. I think there are some quick questions and there are some considered mm. questions. Sarah, what do you want to do with the future of our business? That is a considered yeah. question. Sarah, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? Probably a bit quicker. So I, I don't know. I think having I've been giving do it not thought already. Don't today. think about it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it is a Friday. It's Friday. It's treat treat night. So it takes oh, a lot of thought. It's, it's always a thinking question for Sarah. <laughs> but maybe just have a think when you're asking your questions. Who are you asking them to? And is it a quick or a considered question? Unless you're asking them to Sarah, and it's always going to be considered. <laughs> yeah, but I think we all have to adapt, right? I think that's probably the other point here is going. We don't have the luxury of always being able to create the conditions to work in a way that 100% suits us all of the time. That's not realistic. And if we did that, you'd just be doing stuff the whole time. I'd be thinking the whole time and (laughs) it it, it would be weird. Our our company would be weird. But I think it's recognising, A, our personal preferences, but also knowing when you need to adapt. Like I definitely recognise there are moments where I think this is not the time to think about this for a day. We need to make a decision and we need to move forward. I sometimes then think, knowing then maybe why you're finding that a bit harder is just going, oh, this is because I'm having to stretch a little bit. Susan Cain, who wrote Quiet, she often talks about imagining yourself a bit like a rubber band. A rubber band at rest is you at your most comfortable and confident. And so me being asked a question that I have time to think about, that's me, my rubber band at rest. Me being put on a spot and it's under pressure and you've got to make a decision. I know I can do it but that rubber band is just stretching. It just feels a bit more uncomfortable. You're just a bit further from your comfort zone. And that's, I think, a good way to think about it. So it doesn't mean you can't do it, just knowing it will perhaps just feel a little bit harder. So we hope that that has given you lots of different things to reflect on in terms of questions. Maybe the things that you do well at the moment, the things that you want to try out, the things that you could observe in other people, maybe some feedback that you could ask on your own questioning style. I've learned as a lot I meant, from this one. Yeah, me too. I've, I've thought about it. I've got things that we can do for each other I mean, as I think well. like I always learn, but this one, you know, when you feel like, yeah, not something you spend a lot of time thinking about. We've got the pod sheet as well. So as we mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, lots of the things, the different techniques and some different sort of coaching questions for you to reflect on will all be on the pod sheet. And you can just get that from amazingif.com. Find where the podcasts are on our website and you'll be able to get and download that pod sheet. Next week, I will be talking to Sophie Williams for the last in our current Ask the Expert series. Sophie and I are going to be talking about the topic of progression. Sophie was one of the people that was speaking at the same TEDx 
TEDx event as us earlier in the year. And she talked about progression in that TEDx talk. And she talked about something called the glass ceiling and the particular challenges that women and actually race can play into progression. And we talk about some of those elements as well as progression more broadly in that podcast episode. So hopefully you'll have listened to some of our other Ask the Expert conversations and you'll join us for that last one too. So thank you so much for listening. As always, if you have two minutes to rate us, review us, subscribe, share it with someone else, we really appreciate it. It makes a massive difference to us, not only because it gives us those little moments of joy in a week, but it is how other people discover us and we can keep scaling squiggly and all things squiggly careers. And loads of you have already done that. So if you already have, thank you. We love it. And I love reading them. And we're always screenshotting them to each other. And if you're thinking, oh, I mean to get around to that, perhaps if you could, we'd really, really appreciate it. Other than that, that's all from us for this week. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.